what I think it does suggest is that even people that maybe were skeptical to do a lot of these things a year ago are far more likely to go out and do them, even maybe regardless of getting a vaccination themselves this year. Hopefully everybody does get a vaccination and we do kind of get to that point where we're at herd immunity and, and things can run more stably. But I just think there's an eagerness to get back out into the world and you know do the things we all used to do. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. And I'm joined by the editorial director of Box Office Pro, Daniel Luria, and the chief analyst at Box Office Pro, Sean Robbins. Guys, it has been an interesting weekend with the opening of Godzilla vs. Kong. That means it's over, right? The pandemic's finished. We had a good. <laughs> <laughs> we won, guys. We won. It's over. Yeah, we it's done. We were finished. Back to business. No, obviously. Are you guys vaccinated? Positive. Where Where do you both stand on vaccination? At I'm this halfway. Point? I'm halfway. Oh. You guys are halfway. I'm full in. I'm done here, I guess, in wow. terms of the of the vaccination, which is great. It's exciting. I get to visit my family. I haven't seen my parents since December 2019. So I'm going to oh be uh, headed over to see them in May. I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about seeing Mortal Kombat in the big screen in May as well, <laughs> in, in late April. So it's going to be a double feature there. I cannot wait for Mortal Kombat. And I couldn't wait for Godzilla versus Kong. And that turned out pretty well. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We're going to talk about the weekend returns from Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to look at how things go forward into the next couple of months where, based on what we're seeing right now. But first, a word from our sponsor. QSC. QSC announces the expansion of the QSIS ecosystem for audio, video, and control with the new cost-effective Core Nano and Core 8 Flex processors. Far beyond a conventional cinema processor, QSIS is a complete ecosystem that allows you to control and monitor audio and video content delivery just about anywhere throughout the cinema complex. Visit qsc.com forward slash podcast for more information. That is qsc.com forward slash podcast. Okay, so Sean, for Godzilla versus Kong, we're looking at domestic actuals, uh, the three-day 31 million and change, the five-day at a little over 48 million. What sort of context can you give us for the numbers here? Well, I think we can label this a lot of ways. Obviously, the easiest is this is the biggest opening of the pandemic by a very wide margin. A few weeks ago, we were all very excited to talk about Tom and Jerry opening to 14 million or in some change and just came away and, and kind of really showed what a major step forward in this recovery process looks like. It's essentially opening. I don't want to compare too directly with King of the Monsters a few years ago, since that's a very different time at this point. But you know, for a franchise that I think many had kind of looked at as waning a little bit, at least in North America, certainly not overseas. That's a very different story, but a franchise that was seeing diminished returns. And then for this to be the first big movie out of the gate to come out swinging like this as we're still recovering in North America from the pandemic, it's really kind of a signal of, of that appetite for, I think, going to see big movies. It's really thanks to all the developments we've seen over the past month from New York and L.A. to reopening and vaccines improving and we're seeing you know more and more theater chains regal on the verge of reopening in a couple of weeks as well on a more 
you know, wide scale. So just all in all, everything I think went right for this movie right now. And of course, this also comes on the heels of a lot of pearl clutching and hand wringing and genuine concern over what the HBO Max Day and Deal would mean for the theatrical landscape. And obviously, this movie is not necessarily going to represent the way things are going to go for the rest of the year, but it could be a lot worse. Absolutely. And I think one of the interesting points there, uh, Russ, is that Godzilla vs. Kong was also a title that was rumored to be going up for sale to Netflix at a certain point before Warner Brothers announced the day and date deal. And I think this opening weekend, and maybe Sean, you can get into a little more detail. I think it shows us two things. One, there's pent up demand for titles, which is great. But secondly, we are looking at what can happen. I think this is the best data point we have with what a simultaneous day and date release and how it can perform when the studio in question actively involves exhibition to be on board for it. I think this is historical in that context. We haven't had an example of this happen like this before, and hopefully it can create a blueprint for companies like Netflix and others moving forward that vie for these day and date releases. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, you know, this is really kind of what we all hoped to see out of Tenet last year, but by the time Tenet had opened, the writing was on the wall. Films had already been delayed that were going to come out after it. There wasn't going to be that support for the market. And of course, we didn't have New York and LA open. This is a very different situation. This is, I think we're going to see probably from similar studios really are going to look at now is if a film can do this when it is day and date on streaming, what does the schedule look like for a title that is exclusive to theaters? For example, Paramount has a couple of big films coming out this summer. And they're really, I think, now in a position to feel more confident about putting those films out. But at the same time, we know that Warner Brothers is probably going to stick to its strategy for the vast majority, if not all of its films on the slate for this year. The one in question maybe being Dune, which is a whole other subject, which I know Russ will probably love to talk about. <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, this does show what's possible. And if it's if I think if it's a big tentpole like this, there's a stronger argument for seeing these box office numbers. So to your point, I, th I do agree that we have that data point now. But I do still think that these data points are going to keep evolving because we're still in this recovery period that is going to change almost on a weekly basis. And I'm not sure that there's really that demand yet for the lower to mid-tier films. After all, we are just coming off a weekend where nobody opened to six million, which is nothing to sneeze at under the circumstances, but probably a movie that would open a little bit higher under normal circumstances. So, you know, now I guess the really all eyes kind of go to Mortal Kombat, but to me it's really something like Paramount in a quiet place on Memorial Day. That could be the first real stress test of a movie going exclusively, presuming it remains that way. I think the interesting, especially since you bring up Tenet, the entire selling point around Tenet was mystery. Nobody knew what that movie exactly was. We barely even knew what the story was after trailers. And all of the movies that are hitting, whether they're doing day and date or exclusive theatrical, the big movies over the next couple of months are like obvious high concept movies. We know what they are. Audiences go into that like Godzilla versus Kong. It's in the title. You know what you're going to see. Mortal Kombat. A Quiet Place Part 2, even if you get something, you go out to Top Gun, those sort of films, it's like all of those movies are very clear to audiences what to expect 
and I think in this particular landscape, that's extraordinarily helpful. I don't think as many people on a large scale are going to be as interested in going to see something if they don't know what it is. The fact that we've got this slate of big, obvious, and obvious is not pejorative in this sense. It's like, but these movies where audiences know exactly what to expect is probably extremely helpful for the landscape right now. I think that's a great insight, Ross. And I think it's one of the main things we have to keep in mind that the way out of this pandemic for the industry has to be on a global level. I think one of the factors that probably isn't spoken about enough in the date change for a title like Black Widow that went from May to July is the fact that most of the European market is still closed. Most of the Latin American market is still closed. I know, Sean, you brought that up as an insight when when we had a discussion on that date change. But these are major, major markets for the type of films that increasingly rely on overseas releases to hit those economic benchmarks. And when you're already dealing with a smaller cap of a market because of the pandemic, waiting that extra bit of time to allow those major regions and major markets to come back online is going to be very important. With that in mind, Sean, what are we looking at in terms of the calendar for the next sort of big inflection point? I know you mentioned A Quiet Place Part 2 coming in at the end of May. I'm not sure if that's going to create as much of a ripple effect globally. From a global perspective, are you looking at June, July? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think right now, really the big question is what happens to that summer slate? And, you know, in some ways we can speculate that maybe studios see this Godzilla versus Kong opening and they feel good enough about North America and China combined to maybe move up a few major releases. I think that's very speculative and I it's very possible they won't either because I still think there has to be some waiting period here. Like you mentioned, we have to wait for those markets. We have to wait for New York City to go up to 50% capacity and several other factors. But once you get past Memorial Day in a quiet place, I really look at Fast 9 in late June. That's going to be a a telltale sign of where we're at in terms of global recovery, because that is probably the poster example of a global franchise right now. It typically earns more than three-fourths of its box office outside of North America. And I would also look at Top Gun Maverick because Tom Cruise has a fairly strong overseas presence, particularly with his Mission Impossible franchise, which probably feels like the most accurate comp for that movie. And then immediately after, you know, you go into July and you've got Black Widow and and several other films throughout the end of the summer that could be global players. But to me, those are the next big ones to look for. And, you know, fingers crossed, Universal is looking at what just happened this weekend and really all they're waiting on most likely is for the variants not to get out of control, obviously, and for those other markets to reopen and, and give them that extra padding to the uh, the worldwide box office. A quick update to our listeners about the status of some of those major territories in, in the European uh, marketplace. You have a territory like Spain already open, where Godzilla vs. Kong has already grossed $4.7 million. The same goes with Russia, where Godzilla vs. Kong has already grossed $9.6 million. But you have closures still going on in France, which is still struggling, I think, now with a brand new lockdown for the next three weeks, where we still haven't had 
any reliable information on a reopening date for cinemas in the French market. With the UK, we still expect a mid-May reopening in the best case scenario. I think a lot of folks are, are hoping that happens. So as you note, Sean, moving that title from some point here in April to open, moving that now to June, I think gives that wiggle room for those key European markets to reopen and reestablish themselves. Yeah, I agree. As much as we all want to celebrate this big opening, and we should, in terms of what it does mean for the industry, because it is that proof that there is a major demand to get back and see these big releases. But we still have to be cautious as an industry, just because there are still so many elements, not just on a global level, but so many that are unpredictable. And kind of the classic economic example is there will be ebbs and flows to this. This is certainly one of the flow moments we're going to have a period probably for the next couple of months where there will be some, I don't want to say regression, but certainly not weekends that are as strong as this. That doesn't mean that's not going to be a bad sign. It's just going to be a natural part of this transition. Let's talk about IMAX and premium large format for a moment. Godzilla versus Kong certainly seems like a title that was made for large format. What did we see there? And Sean, what do you take away from the data that we have right now? So IMAX pulled in another eight and a half million for the movie this weekend. And, and really that continues what I think the narrative has been, not just for this film since opening overseas last week, but throughout reopenings in many markets over the last few months, is that there is this major demand to go see movies, not just in theaters, but also in premium formats. And I think that is a combination of two factors. One being, these are obviously the best way to go and see these types of big films, but also because they naturally provide for the ability to socially distance. And now we're starting to see, I think, more and more average consumers start to spread that word of mouth that they're going back to the theaters and they're feeling safe. And that's something that wasn't there for uh, the early months of reopening in many markets uh, outside of very few examples like France and China and, and Japan and a few others. It's really taken some time, I think, for that consumer sentiment to get to a level where they can start telling their friends and family, you know, when the right movie is out there. Go see a movie because they're doing a really good job of keeping people distant. And these big auditoriums are just a natural way to do that. So this is something I think will carry on, not just through this year, but it's really part of the trends we've seen that premium event movie going in formats like IMAX and Dolby are really the wave of the future. It's interesting you bring that up, Sean, because it really felt like a taboo to say you had gone to the movies last fall a little bit, right? The movie theaters were open, but it was a bit of a concern to go out and say, hey, I went to the movies. And I believe that narrative has changed notably since New York City reopened. And I think that's been an important part of the equation, New York City reopening, LA reopening, in being able to have these sites open and to have a lot of the entertainment press that are living in the cities be able to go back to the cinema, be able to see and experience what it's like for themselves, rather than I think some of the assumptions that we saw in the reporting with that August, September reopening in, in 2020. We still, to, to my knowledge, haven't heard about confirmed cases of COVID emerging from cinema reopenings going back months, but I do agree that the perception of it has changed. I think the vaccine rollout is certainly a part of it as well. And so, you know, it's a big part of the overall social sense of going to the movies where I think three months ago, despite the fact that, you know, people might have lived in markets where theaters were open, but it just wasn't people were talking about doing at least. And now I'm anecdotally seeing a 
lot more of that chatter, seeing a lot more people excited to be going back, you know, talking about going small groups and all that sort of thing. So that's a strong development in a forward direction. We also still see a lot of demand for the private watch parties, which are accounting for a lot of the, the sales on Godzilla, especially here in North America. And I think that's another element that's added to that increase in positive chatter as opposed to the, you know, the more skeptical idea of going back out in public to do anything. And let's not forget about the impact that something like the Academy Awards is going to potentially have in getting movie going and movies back in the cultural conversation. It's something that I think we've mentioned several times here over the last year. Now, of course, with the caveat that every single awards show that has happened during the pandemic has suffered a massive decline in ratings. I'm not particularly surprised by that, but it's important, I think, to be able to communicate the new movies have come out for the last year, and a lot of them are going to be available for you to see at your local cinema. That push to let people know theaters are open, movies are coming out, it finally feels like maybe the box office isn't ready and back to normal, but it feels like that part of that consumer appeal is coming back into focus. It's a good point. And, you know, I'm very curious to see what happens with the Oscars this year. Certainly Oscar titles this year are not big movies over the last couple of years. We've seen a shift, generally speaking, away from larger titles at the Oscars. And this year is more so than we've seen in the past, in part just because of the way things went over the last year. But I'm very curious to see if the Oscars show overall is, as you kind of suggest, a commercial for the fact that we can go to movies again, as much as it might be a celebration of whatever happened over the past year. And there's certainly some potential there just for a big splashy reminder that like, hey, the movies are out there and they're open and this is a thing we can all enjoy together. So, you know, and with Steven Soderbergh on board as a producer of the Oscars this year, who is not typically someone that you would expect to see associated with, you know, as a producer of a big award show like that, very very interested to see what choices they've made and, and how they focus the show. And even I think touching on what you both are talking about in terms of things that maybe not necessarily directly related to going to a theater, but just anything tied to the realm of movies serving as kind of a, a marketing engine to make people aware. I think that also applies to things outside of the film industry entirely, because now we're seeing major sporting events allow fans back into stadiums. And I now that we're past, I think, this one-year mark, there's kind of a natural maybe something with the body clock. Has A lot of people are probably at the point where they don't want to spend another spring or summer indoors all the time. And so, you know, and I think that's why we see a lot of news items talking about people maybe letting their guard down too quickly or some states relaxing restrictions too fast. All of that's kind of a much broader subject, but... What I think it does suggest is that even people that maybe were skeptical to do a lot of these things a year ago are far more likely to go out and do them, even maybe regardless of getting a vaccination themselves this year. Hopefully everybody does get a vaccination and we do kind of get to that point where we're at herd immunity and, and things can run more stably. But I just think there's an eagerness to get back out into the world and you know do the things we all used to do. Absolutely. And with respect to sporting events, we've talked on the show before about 
the role that those play in marketing movies, not just the fact that we're seeing people in, you know, stadiums again, but that it's a venue for trailers and that sort of thing. I tapped out of the basketball game about two thirds of the way through last night because it was pretty obvious that it was just going to be a route and I kind of lost interest. But either last night or during the game a couple of nights ago, I saw a Black Widow ad, you know, I was seeing, you know, there were Godzilla versus Kong ads being broadcast. I'm seeing now a few more ads And again, this is anecdotal rather than any sort of analytical data, but it is good to see those things back out in the public space once again. Yeah, I'm actually going to my first baseball game in the longest time this evening. Mm -hmm. We're taping this on a a Tuesday night, so it'll be interesting to see how that experience, that out-of-home entertainment experience changes in in one of these venues. It's been a, a little bit of a discovery and understanding, of course, that a lot of industries have suffered over this past year. And as the vaccine rollout progresses, I think everybody's comfort level and risk assessment is also going to be modifying. We have a pace of 3 million vaccinations per week here in the United States as we record this. I think that's a very, very big factor as well as to why coverage around the box office, around the film industry now is very, very different than it was when Tenet opened back in September. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, Daniel, Sean, it was great to talk to both of you. Excited to look forward to Mortal Kombat, which is not necessarily a thing I thought I would be saying a year ago, but I'm happy to be here right now. (laughs) So, uh, Daniel, I hope your baseball game experience is as satisfying and as exciting as you would like it to be. That solely depends on the Orioles pitching staff, Russ, unfortunately. (laughs) I take back everything I just said. (laughs) We will be back next week for more conversations about how things are developing as cinemas continue to reopen and movies come out once again. This episode of the Box Office Podcast was created by Daniel Luria, Sean Robbins, and me, Russ Fisher. It was produced, as always, by recordeditpodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and we will speak to you again next week. Godzilla vs. Kong was also a title that was rumored to be going up for sale to Netflix at a certain point before Warner Brothers announced the day and date deal. And I think this opening weekend, and maybe Sean, you can get into a little more detail. I think it shows us two things. One, there's pent up demand for titles, which is great. But secondly, we are looking at what can happen. I think this is the best data point we have with what a simultaneous day and date release and how it can perform when the studio in question actively involves exhibition to be on board for it. I think this is historical in that context. We haven't had an example of this happen like this before, and hopefully it can create a blueprint for companies like Netflix and others moving forward that vie for these day and date releases.